Welcome everyone to Link to the Cast, episode 141, on the show this week. John Wick Goddamn 3. Microsoft and Sony are collaborating on a cloud-based solutions for gaming experiences and content streaming. Epic's first big sell? There was a few issues there. Mario Maker 2 and all of the content available that there is to be known has dropped, and we're going to discuss it. And on this week's book club, we are going all the way back to about a week ago, as we talk about what could arguably be the greatest video game adaptation to movie of all time, Detective Pikachu. Let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more. I am this week's party host, I am the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson, and with me is the Roman Reigns of audio, it's Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? Dana, Nana, Nana, I'm fine. How was your 10 second squash against Elias last night? Well, you know... There's a lot of things about Elias that you have to keep in mind, uh, and obviously didn't really matter any of them because I absolutely smashed him to pieces, didn't I? You did. What yeah. bam? Because you are the big Ro- dog, the big Roman, dog. Roman for life, yo. Um, I wanted to uh, start by just pointing out that um, Norway were completely robbed from Eurovision uh, this past Saturday. And uh, I shall be airing my grievances right now about that, as Netherlands produced one of the most boring fucking songs that I've heard that have won Eurovision in a good few uh, years now. And uh, yeah, just just wanted to make sure that was known on this podcast and was recorded for all, all of eternity, or until SoundCloud uh, delete our RSS feed. Yeah, when's that going to happen? I mean, it's kind of long overdue, surely. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I want SoundCloud meant to be like... Put in the can about two years ago, but that never happened. What happened to the can they were meant to be put in? Did someone squash it? Yeah, it was many people then put into the bin, but it just never happened. So we are still here. Um, yeah, so like Eurovision is always a fun time. Um, the rest of the year, I'm usually listening to Iron Maiden or Kill Switch Engage or whatever <laughs> metalcore band of choice. You know, <laughs> you make you make yourself sound like somebody who lives exclusively in black t-shirts. Yeah, which is not true because I'm wearing a nice little green and grey plaid number at the moment. I'm I look like I'd be I could be in Seattle right now. Um, yeah. But once a year, Eurovision. I mean, I've always said that Eurovision is the greatest sporting competition of all time. Um, it's definitely overtaken WrestleMania because it's about four hours shorter. Um, and and Mini Mac could learn a thing or two from that. What do you think of Eurovision this year? It was better than the FA Cup final. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I. Um, it was a slightly I'm... tighter competition than the uh, FA yeah, Cup. Yeah, that's why that was my point. That I was going to make really is I liked how you couldn't really tell what was going on. Like you got to the point where there's no like there's normally one or two favourites that are kind of pulled away and then everybody's kind of anticipating the viewer thing and then the viewer points are going to be dished out and and a lot of the countries don't really matter but obviously Mark, Norway made a big impression on you and made a big impression on the viewers because they were like three hundred or something points yeah and they were like maybe fifth or sixth bottom in the table. So when they got that avalanche of points and got them catapulted like way up there, 
all of a sudden it's like right well the viewers are completely different to the judges this year and we're just going to have to see what what happens uh i was a big fan of the icelandic sort of neo gothic it was ramstein it was fucking ramstein all right (laughs) yeah i mean their two their two things is that they want to spread love and smash capitalism uh apparently so yeah and wave palestinian Uh, flags during they yeah yeah. And then people were kind of saying, well, surely if you're with Palestine, you don't, you know, go on the show in the first place. But yeah, it's the biggest way to make a make a wave, isn't it? It's to go on like TV all across Europe. Yeah, and, and the show's still going message. ahead regardless of whether they turn up or not. So yeah, exactly. Use the I mean, airspace, well, you know. They're just going to send like Sigur Ross or Björk or someone. I don't know. Can you imagine Sigur Ross? Oh yeah, they'd probably win, wouldn't they? But then, probably can a Eurovision song be fifteen minutes long and have like harpsichord and and everything in it? I you know, know what I do enjoy because I I like the the <clears throat> the jury vote and public vote the split and how they structure that now. But I do appreciate even with the jury vote that Greece and Cyprus still vote for each other. Yeah, like death taxes, cockroaches surviving a nuclear holocaust, and. Greece and Cyprus voting for each other in Eurovision. These things and are the, consistent and must remain. The booze. Yeah, I know, they right? both gave each other the, the deuce point, as it were, and the fucking booze from the audience. I respect that because that's kind of how I feel. They should be banned from voting for each other, I think. Well, but then it would just get too complicated. I mean, and also, if they put out the sort of songs they put out, like, uh, the Cyprus one wasn't too bad, um, although your one was wearing an outfit that didn't look practical for any particular kind of yeah you know you might as well have just been admitting to being obsessed with lady gaga but without any of the you know protruding musical talent well, that lady I, gaga there, was, has. there was one there was there was one that was definitely like a, a c rent lady gaga there was definitely like an e rent billy eilish uh you had c rent ramstein you, yeah you, you definitely had a couple of kind of uh your, your musical acts ticked off uh, the geese that won it just sounded like, uh, like Coldplay, didn't they? I mean, as soon as the song finished, I was like, I don't actually remember anything about that song. Uh, the only thing that was more forgettable was our entry this year, which, again, with things being consistent. Uh, was it Michael Rice? Was that his name? It was, and he's from... Uh, was he from Carlisle or something? Oh, I, I can't remember. remember. Yeah, it 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 was... Uh, it was a song. It, it was instantly forgettable. Was... I don't think he... He's necessarily a bad singer either. Like he sounded pretty good. I just it was the most inoffensive beige by the numbers uh offering you could provide and I don't know, you you have to go one of two ways with, with Eurovision. Either you need to come up with like an actual like proper Europop banger like a Euphoria, or you just have to go balls to the wall mental. Um and now obviously over the last couple of years we've had a couple of exceptions. There was um the Portuguese guy whose name I can't remember, who just had a very kind of sweet, uh, loving ballad that I and with a kind of slight jazz croon to it that I really appreciated. Uh, and then there was the one from Ukraine, but there was a lot of kind of political overtones to why that one. But then last year's one was just a complete like by the not by the numbers, but just complete what you'd expect from Eurovision. Uh, uh, but just kind of ramped up to eleven. And uh, the Michael Rice, it just there was nothing to it, nothing kicking. Can you turn Eurovision up to 11? 
Sometimes, yeah. I I tell you where he did pick up and kick up to eleven is in the uh, the interlude where you had the previous winners or like entrants singing each other songs. I thought that was pretty cool. I would like to see that more often. It's pretty cool, but it co- it kind of also had the feel of like this is a bunch of people that no one has a clue who the vast majority of them are. So it kind of felt a little bit like, mm. yeah. But with that said, we had twenty six different performances, and yet Madonna had the worst performance of the evening. She was a little pitchy. Uh huh. Was she? What now? happened? Yeah. What happened there? What happened with the whole thing between her very very awkward interview beforehand, uh, and then? But like, Mark, music makes the people come together. Yeah, I am aware you, of that. Y- yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. This is true. Um, but sometimes music can also be kind of grating on the ears uh, when you're slightly off key, and when like that new song as well. I mean, I I'm fine with Madonna and I enjoy some of her musical offerings, but her her new material leaves me kind of uninspired. Musical offerings, yeah, yeah. Songs, um, what's the dude? What's, what's the dude from Migos doing in that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like. What uh, it, to me the funniest part of it was the dude from Migos. They interviewed him before, and he was like, "Yeah, man, it's uh, my mum listened to Madonna." I know. And I what like, what kind of more of a backhanded compliment can you give? I was like, "Oh boy, you don't understand how uh, how how women work, do you, bloke yeah. from Migos? You can't be saying that." So well, overall, I don't think the selection of songs this year were as strong as in uh, the last couple of years. Um, but there are a couple of decent numbers in there um, and obviously the, the most natural segue we can do from Eurovision is into John Wick 3 <laughs> yeah uh, works for me Jack John Wick motherfucking 3 is a tour de force uh, is an experience is a happening as Dave put it in our group chat uh, I want to know because I don't think I don't think I've properly spoken to you yet when did you see it? Uh, I saw it on Friday. Okay. Tell me your feelings on uh, John John Wick 3. It, well, I mean, it kind of doesn't give you any time to breathe at all, whatsoever, even slightly. There's just crazy stuff going on all the way through the film. And you don't really... There's There's maybe sort of like... 10 20 minutes in total of the movie where they're sort of having a conversation and you don't really get a chance to fully appreciate the impact of some of the kills that you're seeing like for instance what within the first 10 minutes maybe there's like a horse chase and a knife museum fight and just all hell breaking he kills a man with a book right he kill the first thing he does is kill a man with a book that is very true chops his chops his face onto a book or something and uh, i don't know what what that book is made of but it, it was kind of intact. It's, it's thick and it's you know it's leather bound and he shoves it in the guy's mouth and then kind of hangs his head over it and just breaks his neck with it uh yeah and then you know the, the cool the cool move though was the sort of straighten the lapels and then put the blood-soaked book just back on the bookshelf mm. as if to say yep everything's just fine yeah i mean that um the the knife fight in the the knife museum or the the artillery museum and where they're just throwing knives at each other i was <laughs> fucking creasing up um, oh it's so funny yeah. there's at least three kills in there where i where i just threw my head <laughs> back and laughed 
Like my favourite of the one was the one where he was using one knife to hammer another knife into someone's forehead. Yeah, well, that and the bit at the end with the oh, spoiler alert. By the way, people die. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, uh, the the bit at the end of that scene where he just lunges the axe, the axe. from across yeah. the hallway. Because um, here's the thing, right? The axes show up, and you're like, oh, he's gonna throw an axe at someone, and he doesn't do it. He doesn't throw the axe at anyone, and you're like, ah. In the back of my head, I'm like, ah, man can't believe he didn't throw that axe at anyone that's that's kind of disappointing but then uh he didn't let me down that guy showed like the slightest semblance of he might be alive he didn't even seem like he was still alive he just sort of went that might have just been air escaping his dead body but john wick's like no fuck this mate and then what i mean probably 30 yards away and just throws an axe straight through the guy's head i will say um both the, the fight scene in Casablanca and the uh, fight scene where the SWAT army or whatever come into the, the Continental, both those scenes, even for my uh, levels of enjoyment, I found them a little bit excessive, and they could have probably shaved a few minutes off of both. What, you're talking about the fight that had all of the good boys in it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there were dogs, Mark. There, there were dogs, like a... and there were wonderful dogs, but Jesus Christ, that scene, I just... They went even from what I enjoy, perhaps a little bit too long. But Robson, it was no Jerome. Sorry, Jerome was like some sort of you know under the table shady sort of dealer in in the middle of Morocco for some reason. I know. I can't I, really I explain. Know. Just they just looking looking straight out of Hitman twenty sixteen. They're just a little bit too long. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. Just a little bit. He'd beaten up the man from Del Monte and stolen his entire outfit. Um, I also enjoy Lawrence uh, Fishbone uh, chewing up as much scenery as possible. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's 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 the king, though. He well, is the king. He is the king. He's the Bowery King. Yeah, uh, I you know, and the thing is as well, and, and obviously they did a lot of this in John Wick too, but just doing more to uh, kind of flesh out the world of John Wick and try and make sense of a pretty ludicrous story and world and plot uh yeah. I, you it's know, the table though mark it the, is the, the, ta- table. the table runs everything indeed and then he had to chop his finger off with a cheese slicer yeah yeah that all happened as well yeah so i it's it's fun uh i like it more than john wick 2 i still think that the original there's something really very magical and very kind of clean and just to the point with the original um, that I don't think you can recapture that exactly, uh, but yeah, I I I like John Wick three a lot. It was absolutely crazy, balls out crazy. All right, with that, shall we talk about what we've been playing this week? Hey, check it out! I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy two. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Jack, I'm going to let you uh, take the floor. You've been playing something called Mini Metro. What is that? So Mini Metro has been around for a couple of years now. Um, It made its way to the Switch, I think, last year, just because the Switch should hoover up any and all games ever trademark. Um, And essentially what it is, is a subway slash london underground puzzle game where you get a map you start on your map you've got two stations 
one's a triangle, one's a circle, and then you need to connect them with a line. Boom, you connect them, and then you start seeing little triangles and circles appearing next to your circle or triangle or whatever, and those are passengers who want to go to that station. Fine. But then as the level kind of unfolds, more passengers appear, more triangles and circles, but then we start seeing squares appearing, diamonds appearing, like a weird sort of conical shape, and you start having to create more lines more crossover points and the most efficient method to get all of the passengers moving across your network as quickly as possible and it is ridiculously addictive to to a level that yeah i uh i feel like i could lose it's kind of has that peggle feel to it where i could just lose an entire evening and not really be aware of what's going on so yeah it's it's pretty good it's a very simple concept but it's one of those ones where if you see it played, like if you've got the ability now to pause this and then watch on YouTube just even the yeah, slightest I'm gonna, bit of it. Um, I'm going to uh, just put a video on mute. and uh... Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can do different levels. Like you can do, there's the London Underground. You can do like the New York subway system. And you just basically have to make your, your network as efficient as possible. You unlock more trains as you go. You unlock more carriages, so you've got more capacity for your trains. So there's more room to get more people moving around. And but yeah, like, what is it like? A, is it is it a puzzle game or is it more of a kind of SimCity type game? It's there's probably elements of of um of sim city but like really 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 super basic but in terms just, of that kind of like development sort of game you know it's a development game but it is a i think it's a, a mixture of both it's a development game and it's a puzzle game it's a it's a strategy game like it's a strategic idea as to how you have to get your network set up to make sure your passengers aren't all bottlenecking or randomly appearing at at certain points you know there's if you play the Thames, I'm sorry, if you play the London Underground, you've got the Thames and then you're only allowed a certain amount of tunnels and you have to contend with that. And you've got different you know, amounts of passengers that you have to move and you start off with a total of passengers and that gradually will sort of go down over the course of the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a highly addictive but fun game to play. How many, how many maps are there or how many levels are there? Um, the thing about it is, there's there's quite there's a couple that I've unlocked so far, like the subway and underground and stuff. But every time you play it, it's a randomly kind of generated level. So if you play it, there aren't going to appear the same points at the same places, basically. So you've always got a different challenge any time that you go into it and, and play it. And it's just one of those things that you can pick up, play it for fifteen twenty minutes just as easily as you could get super addictive and play it for multiple hours and yeah let me, it's, guess, it's, let me guess you're playing it on the switch yeah you gotta play it on the switch <laughs> it's just a, it's a switch isn't it? like you play i play everything on the switch okay i, I you know like, having looked at it it's something that i do remember um was something that came out uh, a while ago and i never got around to it but it does look like something i could probably sink a good few hours into so i might uh yeah i might look into that it's currently seven pounds and forty nine of your English pence, or probably I would say nine euros, maybe if I had to had to guess at a rough conversion rate. That sounds about that sounds about close to, to what I'd expect. 
yeah so uh give it a go give it a spin and you will not be disappointed mark have you still been killing yourself on cuphead i have yes uh i i've got to the second island of of cuphead but my progress has slowed down somewhat significant because uh that game gets really hard on expert mode, and what would be a boss that would take me maybe an hour to do is taking me up to a week because I just. For God's sake, man! Well, it's mainly because I put the switch down and I just can't, I, I don't come back to the game for a couple of days. It's not because I'm playing it for six hours at a time. <laughs> it gives you that much residual rage. It's just I need to just pace myself with it. Um, so yeah, I'll probably have expert mode finished by I don't know Christmas maybe. Um, but not too much more to add to that. What I have been playing, because uh, there's a big digital sale on the Switch at the moment, uh, and I've been playing a game called Bastion, which originally came out, I think, around 2011. And I remember I had it uh, on the Xbox Live Arcade, which is where I originally played it. Uh, and it was very notable in that it had a very distinctive uh, art style to it, and it had a very distinctive presentation in that... Um, you were you were on this kind of like skyway, um, you know. You were going along this path, and the the platform ahead of you would uh, kind of create itself, like uh, tiles would kind of come up from uh, under underneath, and create the platform in front of you. And as you're walking forward, the platform behind you would start to kind of break apart and, and fall down. But it wasn't a permanent thing. So if you needed to walk back, the the, the platform would then kind of rebuild itself again. So it was a really kind of like a uh, novel uh, art direction or presentation to go with um, but then obviously there were kind of fixed platforms and fixed like environments that just would be there uh, and it was done in a, an isometric view and uh, it's uh, you know it had typical combat with um, heavy weaponry uh, long range bows um, all that kind of stuff uh, and like different um, uh, uh Abilities like throwing grenades or using like uh, friendlies uh, to attack other enemies, and all the kind of stuff that you, you get in in uh, any kind of uh, action adventure game. But the thing that made this kind of really stand out was both the presentation and its art style and and the kind of technical uh, direction of it. But also um, it has uh, commentary um, that kind of, or a narrator that uh, tells the story of kind of everything that happens. Uh, kind of similar in in a way to. Uh, you remember the, the the narration in Max Payne, and it has mm. that kind of very brooding, um, or even in Sin City actually, in terms of a kind of film concept of how they kind of tell the story, uh, and there's a kind of deep, gruff voice uh, providing the commentary over top. And I'm trying to remember for the life of me who actually did does the the commentary for it, but I can't see off the top of my head but it has, adds a, a whole um, another element to it and it's not just because the, the soundtrack is wonderful as well but that commentary that um, constantly talks over every kind of action that you do you know anytime you walk into a place or talk to someone or take a kind of specific direction like there's one uh, area that has uh, four points that north west south east and you know depending on which direction you go he'll be like uh the kid took the direction to the north is where the rough part of town is or something like that and you know depending at certain points the the trigger for the audio would would um happen and just kind of really adds another kind of level of, of presentation to the whole thing and and i really really enjoy that uh of it um 
like the combat isn't anything that is was revolutionary. It, it, it's pretty basic in um, in kind of being like an action role playing game. Um, but it, it, it's really the presentation where it shines, and uh, and it's like six forty, I think, uh, in euros uh, on the Switch at the moment. And again, as of everything, it is perfect on the Switch. But it's it's been nice to go back to it. It's a game that I did buy at the time for Xbox Live, but I didn't. I kind of bounced off of it pretty quickly, probably because I was still playing some combination of the likes of uh, Spelunky and Binding of Isaac and Trials, um, and so it didn't stick with me. Uh, I, I never finished it, so um, hopefully I'll use the uh, Switch to finish it now. So it's cool. It's it, it's it's very much a game that lies on the presentation, but it does the presentation so well that the um, I'm not going to say average mechanics, but kind of by the numbers of what you'd expect from a, an action role-playing game, uh, it, it kind of pulls that part along. And uh, it's just it's very pleasant to be in that world. I see. Nice. Cool. Mm. How much is it on the Switch at the moment? It's like six quid, uh, a, little bit more, nice. a little bit more than that. So it's, there yeah, you go. I can't remember how long it is, but... Um, it's uh, for six quid. I mean, it's hard to complain at that price. So that, you know? that, that's two games recommended, which will probably cost you less than an Ando's. So, <laughs> <laughs> and an Ando's will only last you about twenty minutes. So you know, I know, but I mean, what a glorious event it is! Any time you go there, and uh, yeah, that's that's all I have for this week. So um, hopefully, cool. Dave will join us next week to tell us about what he's been playing. But I think it might be Rage 2. Could be, could be. I want to hear what he has to say about it. It's so. what all the hip cats are playing yeah. with their neon mohawk, you know, raider-type characters and shit. But until then, we will have to make, wait next week for that. So uh, until then, let's talk about the news. News on the mark! Here's a big one. Microsoft and Sony are collaborating on a cloud-based solutions or collaborating on cloud-based solutions for gaming experiences and content streaming. Um, part of the deal will see Sony exploring the use of Microsoft's existing cloud computing platform, Azure, for its game and content streaming services. And the companies will also investigate joint development of future cloud solutions to benefit po- both parties in the same areas. The ultimate goal, according to official official press announcement, is to deliver more enhanced entertainment experiences for customers around the world and to build better development platforms for the content creator community. Uh, Microsoft and Sony have also pledged to collaborate on development projects focusing on semiconductors and artificial intelligence. Uh, so, you know, we've had over the past couple of years, uh, the big thing that uh, people talk about is the uh, collaboration with Nintendo and Microsoft when it comes to um, you know being able to play the likes of uh, Rocket League uh, with players on the other platform um, but this is kind of a really big thing to have Microsoft and Sony collaborating on on cloud-based content uh, for both gaming and for content streaming uh, what do you make of this Jack I think it's very interesting um considering how wildly opposed sony was like even a year ago to have any kind of cross-platform experience so i it's it seems like they've come around to it uh and i don't necessarily know why we need the like companies pulled together you think that they'd probably be 
like pulling their separate resources into making something roughly like this but i don't know do you feel like they might be slightly rattled by the the google announcement from the other month i think there's a lot of it to do with that um yeah i think as well that the fact that sony are going to be uh, you know looking exploring into the the cloud platform that microsoft already have means that they don't want to do anything kind of startup if they can have something they can work with and um apply resources into that uh yeah it definitely does feel like Microsoft and Sony, and we'll see kind of what Nintendo thing can do, but it definitely looks like with the whole Google announcement and and their uh, cloud-based content, um, yeah, it it looks like Microsoft and Sony feel like they've had to put their backs up against the wall a little bit. And it concerns me in that I don't want to see games go to a purely cloud-based type system. Uh, I think that is the dream for developers and publishers um but that as a consumer that always concerns me because uh you know if you buy something on a cloud like do you ever actually really own that game because at any point thanos snap of the fingers and your game doesn't exist anymore uh which is why i always hope that to some degree we'll always have you know physical uh physical games that players can can own and in fairness I don't buy a lot of physical games anymore, but I mean certainly for uh, for the the bigger games, I'll usually buy physical, mainly for storage based more than anything else. Uh, and I just, I just, I'm curious to know, like you know, if you have, I mean, uh, Death Stranding. I mean, there's no way that game is going to be less than a hundred gigabytes, uh, and you know, I wonder from a kind of how that game how would you play the game uh, if it's purely just kind of cloud based you know I mean there must be a a, a a database somewhere that's holding part of that and or part of that content has to be on your on your side like I just I don't know how um, that sort of that level of, of data uh, can be purely on a, on a cloud based uh, setup so you know yeah I think it's a fair point but obviously within what three four five years maybe this is all going to be like stable in terms of the technology that you can run it on so at the moment we probably don't have anything that would be able to to stream like such ridiculous bit rates and you know there's very limited amount of people with that good of an internet connection like you would have to live somewhere where there's not many people in your local area but for some reason they've decided to give you like ridiculous speed broadband at the same time i think to get it to to stream as perfectly as possible but there's going to be you know an advance in technology so you have to kind of prepare for the future you know there's going to be a 5g mark that's coming out soon as a mobile network and you know they're probably working on 6g right now somewhere to see what the next thing is so i think they launched this and not much like everything else at first it isn't widely used and it's either adopted and the technology improves and everybody decides that that's the way to go or it doesn't work and they go back to the drawing board we've seen elements of both in the current console generations and generations before them so yeah as always as a as a sort of an outside looker in it's going to be very interesting to see which way it goes 
I'm just wondering which company are going to come out first and uh, declare that there ain't nothing like a, but a G thing. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. Not? It's going to happen. Yeah, let's just, to show that we're hip and cool, let's use a song that's probably nearly 30 years old now. <laughs> um, yeah. Moving on. Epic's first Big Cell uh, is having, or was having, teething problems. Uh, so this story came from the 17th of May, um, but as of the time yesterday from when it was reported, uh, the Epic's Game Store launched its first ever major sale, uh, had some eye-opening price reductions that almost seemed to be too good to be true, and it seemed like a few of those actually were. Um, the first to pull a vanishing act was an upcoming game, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, which briefly appeared for a discounted price, but now displays a 404 error. Epic explained Paradox chose to remove the title at the last moment as the publisher decided no longer wanted to participate in the sale. Uh, they said, Epic, that if a developer or publisher chooses to not participate in our sale, we will honour that decision. Paradox Interactive has chosen to not participate in the Epic Mega Sale, and the game has been temporarily removed from sale. If you purchased Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 during the period when the discount did apply at the time of check out, uh, Epic will honour that price. Um, there were a few other things that happened as well. Um, Roguelike title Hades uh, had a series of bizarre changes to its pricing during the course of the sale. Uh, after initially being listed at the incorrect price of $6.99, developer Supergiant increased not only the sales price from $14.99, this is in dollars, but also the base price of the game from $19.99 to $24.99. Um, according to a comment on Discord, this was because of continued improvements and additions made to the early access version, despite Supergiant yesterday stating it would announce a price increase like this well in advance. <clears throat> uh, Supergiant have apologised for communicating poorly and have clarified it has uh, returned the price of Hades back to 1999. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of things here that are a bit of a mess. Uh, Jim Sterling has a video out, uh, I believe either today or yesterday, uh, talking about the just the, the general mess uh, that this whole cell has uh, has been so far. I I heard something from a friend of mine today that apparently. Um, the only stuff that you could actually buy on the store was discounted prices. Anything that was just there but wasn't discounted, you couldn't actually buy. Um, I don't know the, the validity to that. But uh, yeah, clearly Epic have a little bit of work to do in this area, showing that um, launching this type of service, even though you know they clearly want a piece of the pie to take from Valve, it isn't as easy as uh, first may have been expected. No, it's a... It's a process you have to build a trusting customer base this isn't a very good pr move for getting people to use your store straight away but you need something that's going to pull people across and you need you need some positive experiences for people and uh, so far they're kind of falling short on both of those counts so yeah interesting teeth and problems but i'm sure they'll sort it out at some point yeah. Or it'll be a massive failure, Mark. You know, uh, it's... You're going to have this. It's the first time they've done it, and um, I'm not surprised that there are issues, but uh, as usual with these things, there's hyperbole, and people think that, well, this is it. You know, the epic are trash, and they don't know what they're doing, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when Valve's first released Steam and did their first sale if they weren't well I mean they have problems on a weekly basis that go far beyond just you know 
incorrect sales and prices. So um, I'm not worried about Epic. I'm sure they'll kind of get their act together, but not the the best uh, first attempt at putting a sale uh, together. Jack, did you watch the 15 minute Super Mario Maker 2 presentation? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go into everything right away. I'm just going to throw it over to you. What did you think? I am very excited, Mark. Are you now? It, it looks... Don't you think it looks like tremendous amounts of fun? It looks incredible. I mean, I um, I was curious to see exactly, you know, what additional content um, they would add. Because I did like the original Super Mario Maker, but I think everyone knew that there was so much more that they could do with that. And that's kind of with anything, you know... You make the first of something, and it's only after you've made it that you can look and you, and you give it to the hands of other people. And I'm sure uh, Nintendo did so much uh, R and D and and feed, got feedback from the community to see, you know, what kinds of things they should have added in the first game, and what kinds of ideas that pe- players came up with that worked around, like you know, missing mechanics. So it's it's insane the amount of uh, additional content they've they've put in there. I think one of the big things that has me most excited is the the, the co-op mode from uh, the... Was it new Super Mario Bros. U? Uh, one of the newer 2D platformer Mario games uh, yeah. that has multiplayer where you can basically fuck over the other three people and it's a race to the finishing line. I think there's a lot of uh, really interesting stuff that can be done with that. Yeah, I mean, that would be fantastic like multiplayer like it, it's weird like nintendo make a lot of games that are kind of family friendly games or whatever but in their uh, multiplayer there's always a way to tremendously mess mess with someone's life like you know mario kart blue shells or whatever and yeah creating something where you can just pretty much destroy all the other people on the level is great but mark can we talk about undo dog talk to me i mean He's amazing. <laughs> the, inter- the internet's gone uh, pretty pretty crazy over him, but uh, he he's like a Mario's assistant, and he he's a dog like a standard dog, but his head is stuck in a block, and you uh, you talk to him, and he gives you jobs to make different things in different levels, and uh, yeah, that that was the one of my main takeaways was just like this this dog is. It's like the most instantaneously memeable Nintendo thing probably since like last week, obviously. But like it, it, yeah, that was my one of my standout moments was was seeing this underdog, and I just know that's the sort of thing that you're going to see as a plushie on the shelf of a of a nerd type store in a few months' time. Good chance he's going to win best dog come game of the year. Oh, the, the only problem is he's not a dog in a hat. He's not a dog in a hat. I mean, at this point, I'm happy to change the the category to just best dog in a video game. He's a dog, but he's got a block around his neck. I don't know if that counts. It kind of looks like a a blocky version of a Victorian rough. I mean, we could make it best dog with an accessory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or we could just accept that. I mean, if you have that, if you were going through hats, would you have, you wouldn't have like a collar in a uh, kind of create a whatever section you know you wouldn't have the collar the collar would probably be, be in the hat section so as far as i'm concerned i'm counting it as a hat yeah true 
you know what I'm most excited about though is probably the story mode. Yeah, I. The, but, con- but because, the concept because of the genu- story mode in a game like yeah. this. Because genuinely, I like uh, Mario Maker for for Wii U, but it's only kind of it's it's the same issue I had with things like Little Big Planet and stuff. Once you've kind of gone through you know all of the stuff that you can think of and then you've gone through other people's levels that they've made or whatever you get to the point where you're like ah oh, i mean I'm, I'm probably not going to play this anymore but the fact that there's a story mode to play through makes it like i'll probably spend a little bit more time now i hope it's better than the mario tennis story mode that's all i'm gonna say yeah i know right and i think the the thing as well is the purpose of it is it will help um you know it'll give ideas uh, I, I think it's, you know, in the way Nintendo do anything is they are very good at hand-holding and, you know, just explaining everything, every kind of single detail that is there in the mechanics. Um, I imagine the story mode will do a very, very good job of explaining exactly, hey, this is how all these mechanics work and this is how um, you can do this thing over here and you can do this thing over there. And it will be all be very uh, seamlessly uh, integrated um, from the explanation and the actual execution of showing the mechanics, uh, so yeah, I'm really curious to see uh, that in in motion and how they do it. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll just be tremendous amounts of fun, I'm sure, no matter kind of what they do with that. But just the idea that they're now you looked at the, the schedule at the start of this year and you were thinking to yourself, hmm. Maybe there's not an awful lot going on with Nintendo, but they they now seem to be dropping things on a, on a sort of regular basis that are getting people picking up Switches or getting new people to come over to the Switch. And I mean that stat last week that it had out was it outsold the PlayStation Four in yep. in Japan now? Yeah, that is unbelievable. So yeah, I think they're shooting now to try and within a year or so sell have sold more consoles than the Xbox One, which. If somebody had told you that, you know, after the complete dominance of the Xbox 360, that Nintendo are going to produce something that outsells uh, Xbox's next generation console, you just you wouldn't have you would have thought that you, that someone was crazy, basically. So yeah, I, uh, I I I feel like Nintendo are just hitting all the right beats at the moment. They're doing doing a very good job. And a whole other bunch of features that have been included uh, include slopes, uh, various gradients. Uh, there's the iconic the uh, the angry sun from Super Mario Bros. Three uh, yes. that can also be turned into a moon, and the moon then fucks up with the level depending on which level you're on. Uh, there are on-off switches that can be used in a whole bunch of ways. They can change platform tracks. They can change the direction of conveyor belts. Uh, the snake blocks from Mario World are in there. Uh, there are seesaws. There are large coins worth 10, 30, 50 points. Uh, twisters, slow falling parachutes, new sound effects. Um, there are now um, uh, there. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> Damn it! Uh, there are uh, factors like you can uh, win conditions. There are win conditions for when you get to the end of a level. So you could be that um, you need to have collected fifty coins, or you needed to be in uh, you know full Mario uh, mode, or you need to you know, all these kinds of things. Uh, they're going to have so many. Uh, additional elements and challenges and is going to just apply so just give so much more creativity to players uh, and i'm really really fascinated to see it and also there is super mario world 
uh, Super Mario 3D World um, as a mode now, which is its own separate mode because it has all these different elements that can't be applied to the uh, kind of standard 2D Mario games. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's incredible how much content's in there, and uh, it's going to be released on the 28th of June, so just a little over a month away. Uh, and there's also a limited bundle which includes 12 months of Nintendo Switch Online. So I've not bought, boom, I've not got uh, Nintendo Switch Online yet. But if I do get Mario Maker 2, which I imagine I will, uh, this will probably be where I jump uh, online with that. Hey, hey. Um, and also because I haven't played Splatoon 2 in a while, and I kind of want to jump back on that. So yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Yes. Uh, Less than a month. I know. Or is it? It's oh, just, just over no, a month. It's a month. Just over just a month. Over just over a month. Quality. And in our final news story this week, uh, Sega have unveiled 10 more games with September's Mega Drive Mini. And uh, the additional games that we have in here include uh, Mega Man The Wily Wars, uh, Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition, which means I'm pretty sure Street Fighter 2 was in the uh, Super NES Mini as well. So there you go, it's in both of those. Uh, Sonic Spinball, Beyond Oasis, not including Liam and Noel, Goes and Ghouls and Ghosts, Alex Kidd and Enchanted World, Golden Axe, Vector Man, and Wonder Boy in Monster World. Uh, so a couple of classics in there that I certainly remember playing back in the day, including the likes of Alex Kidd, uh, Golden Axe, Vector Man, which is a real kind of cult classic. Uh, and yeah, it's the there's 20 games uh, that were already announced, including the likes of Sonic. Uh, Echo the Dolphin, uh, Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Castle of Illusion, World of Illusion, Shinobi 3, Street Fighter 2, Earthworm Jim. There's, it's a really strong lineup, and um, it's certainly stronger than the original NES, and it's it's on par with the, the Super NES, so it looks good. Yeah, I mean, this is probably an example as to why Sega were one of the two main brands at some point, because there's a lot of great games on there. Yeah, and I think I think it it kind of is good as a piece of fan service that they've got as much fantastic content on there as possible because there are a lot of people that are going to go buy this regardless of, of what a lot of the games are. I mean, a lot of people, if they want to play these games now, will just get a ROM, whether that's right or wrong in your opinion, or right or wrong. <laughs> that's pretty much what people are going to go and do. So selling this based purely on the nostalgia trip of having a, a small version of the Mega Drive that you can present in, in your house proudly to nerds like me and Mark is, is going to be something that you have thrown your money down for. But it's, it's nice that they're dropping in a lot of games. And yeah, when I saw Alex Kidd on there, I was like, I know if uh, you and Dave have covered that in the book club on the show before, so that might have been one that would pop you. But do you think this would be something that you would look to purchase, Mark, or...? So I I haven't purchased any of the 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 mini consoles yet, and I don't yeah. think I would. And it's not because I I don't like the lineup or anything. And I think actually the lineup is probably it it definitely connects connects with me more in terms of the nostalgic tinge because I think there was a lot more games that I played uh, that are here. Um, and I think part of it is because a lot of these games were actually developed by Sega anyway. So um, you know the. Uh, arguments that some people made about certain games that were on the not on the SNES or would not be on the N64 is, you know, I imagine pretty much most of the, the rare back catalogue wouldn't be showing up on the mini N64 whenever that turns up. Um, but a lot of these were developed by Sega, so, you know, I'm seeing all the games that I expected to see on here for that reason. Uh, I don't think I would buy it because it's just, it's something that I wouldn't actually play that much. And I think, yeah, part of it is if I just do want to play it, 
I would just go and download uh, and play uh, a ROM of it. Um, and that's just... And, and also, a lot of these games are available on Steam or on other platforms, and uh, some of them are probably going to show up on Twitch if they haven't already. So uh, it's still cool. It's still awesome. I love that these mini consoles exist. It's You know, if I had a kid, it would be the perfect thing, thing for them to, to, to give them because um, they're in that price range where... Uh, it's it's a pretty viable purchase, and you know it's it's definitely something I would purchase for, some, for someone else um, as like their first console. Uh, yeah, a nice little history lesson if you were to have a kid. Yeah, there is definitely that as well. Uh, and yeah, with that, I guess we are done with the news this week. So the last thing for us to do is to uh, move on to our book club feature, which is a little bit different. Uh, because uh, for a start, it's something that only came out within the last two weeks, uh, and it's also a film. And now we've done a couple of films before, but this time we're actually doing a video game uh, adaptation into a film, uh, which I believe is the first time we're doing this on uh, the show, as we are looking at Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Pokemon Detective Pikachu is a 2019 urban fantasy mystery film directed by Rob Letterman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Dan Hernandez, Benji Samet, and Derek Connolly from a story by Hernandez, Samet, and Nicole Perlman. Based on the Pokemon franchise created by Satoshi Chijiri and the 2016 video game Detective Pikachu, the film is produced by Warner Brothers Pictures, Legendary Pictures, and the Pokemon Company in association with Toho Co. Limited in a joint venture production. Mark, there are far many, far too many credits at the start of movies these days. Anyway, it is the first live-action entry in the franchise, and the film stars Ryan Reynolds as the voice and facial motion capture of the titular character, with Justice Smith, Catherine Newton, Suki Waterhouse, Omar Chaparro, Chris Gere, Ken Watanabe, and legend of all legends bill knight and live action roles mark what were your expectations coming into this movie and how many of the key beats of those did it hit would you say all right so detective pokemon detective pikachu uh clearly understood uh the idea of an effective trailer um yeah when that first trailer dropped i was gobsmacked that um, the the CGI and the the Pokemon the design that they went with to turn these Pokemon into to real life creatures, it wasn't exactly what I expected, but it was even better than what I expected. And you know, Pikachu had fur, and Jigglypuff had fur, and it kind of threw me off because I'd never thought of these Pokemon having fur. But it completely made sense. I mean, they are animals uh, for all intents and purposes. So why wouldn't you know some of these animals actually have fur? Pikachu is based on a mouse, so sure it makes sense. Um, it looked fun. It looked action-packed. 
and it had enough kind of one-liners and zingers and you're like jesus christ that's ryan reynolds i can hear deadpool as pikachu that that alone was a selling point for me and i couldn't go in fully hoping that this would be a good film because it's still a adaptation from a video game and we all know that uh, the the long and checkered history of video game to film is patchy at best and uh you know it's been more hits uh, more misses than it has been hits but i had i had optimism that a uh nintendo and the pokemon company had learned from the mistakes of uh super mario bros that they would have enough input and control into this that there was no way that this film could be bad uh and so i went in with an anticipation and an expectation that this film would be serviceable and that I would enjoy it. It didn't have to be a great film. I just knew that I wanted to and felt like I was going to enjoy it. And it met those expectations. Yeah, I would agree with the vast majority of that. Um, so it is actually very similar in a lot of ways and in plot to the video game. Have you ever played the video game? Mark? I've never played the, the video game cool so the video game is kind of it's got your standard sort of ace attorney style thing where you're trying to find clues to to solve things but there's also some like button mashing kind of puzzles and i mean even a little bit action adventure towards the end when you're you're trying to solve the, the main mystery but a lot of the plot beats are very similar in fact i mean should we say spoilers now um yeah sure so spoilers the way the game ends it kind of gives you the uh blade runner approach before so before blade runner was given you know 15 different cuts uh it was kind of left up in the air as to whether harrison ford was a decepticon or not so at the end of detective pikachu it's kind of alluded to that Detective Pikachu is in question the missing father of, of the main protagonist of the game. Whereas in the movie, they just straight up were like, no, uh, it's it's Ryan Reynolds. He's he's definitely his dad. And then you see kind of live action Ryan Reynolds at the end and, and Pikachu no longer has the uh, has the, the, the voice of Deadpool, as it were. Well, I so, wonder yeah. if it wasn't Ryan Reynolds, if it was someone um, less famous or had, you know, a less kind of... Uh, notable voice uh, I wonder if that is the direction they would have gone with at the end of the film I, I do think that just hey it's Ryan Reynolds so here here's a cool idea here's a little kind of not easter egg but a little twist that um, you know because when uh, the uh, scream is kind of pulling up to show who was going to be his dad I for some reason I just had Will Smith in my mind I just figured they would just fuck it they'll just go you know the whole way and do that for a laugh um, I don't know. I was I was being too cute about it, but then I I realized in hindsight it was like what were they going to have Will Smith talk, but Ryan Reynolds' voice would come out? Like what the fuck were they going to do there? Yeah, I mean that's two paychecks. It's incredibly unnecessary, but yeah, I mean for a statement, it would have been pretty funny if they if they got Ryan Reynolds to record all of Will Smith's dialogue. You've got probably one of the most notable voices of the last 20 30 years in cinema and you're just going to overdub him with like sarcastic ryan reynolds that would have been a ballsy move but uh, the actual kind of body of the of the movie the plot sort of being based around the the drug that makes pokemon go berserk uh is is also very similar and 
they kind of took a, a slightly different slant on the sort of intentions of the the main bad guy in the movie bill nye is very much bent on connecting humans and pokemon together to a sort of almost maniac level whereas the, uh, the 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 bad guy in in the game is pretty much just trying to profiteer and cause as much trouble as possible. So I thought like the 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 movie plot actually made kind of a lot more sense to me than than the video game plot. But either way, they're both pretty enjoyable experiences. And yeah, I uh, I love the animation on the Pokemon. I thought that they completely nailed it. The Mister Mime scene is just fantastic mark don't you think it's like a little cheeky weird centerpiece of the movie it's um there's a couple of scenes in the film and i like that because part of the issue that i have with trailers is that um a trailer will have like a a line or a bit in a uh that just kind of like it's how you see it in the film and it's like okay well this is you've already kind of spoiled that scene for me um but there's like so much more to it uh and yeah the the whole execution of that and, and this kind of um, like interrogation scene uh, with, I mean, Mr. Mime is a fucking weird Pokemon in a number of ways. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Mimes in general are just weird, right? Yeah, I feel like are. mimes and clowns have taken a real hit in pop culture in the last few years. Like, I don't think anybody ever had the intention of, of making clowns creepy when they first decided to make them but they become extremely creepy and it's the same thing with mimes nobody really wants a mime around and it's just sort of a a lost art almost so yeah mr mime that whole scene of (laughs) because the thing that i like about it is justice smith the uh the main character he hasn't got a lot of patience for pikachu's antics all the way through the movie and the one bit like that he actually has patience is when he has to act out things of Mr. Mime and Ryan Reynolds is at his funniest when he's incredulous in this movie and just the way he starts losing it with Mr. Mime like and doesn't really want to play along with the game of acting out this whole scenario which got pretty dark in the end because it involved kind of <laughs> Justice Smith's character pouring petrol onto the Mr. Mime to try and get him to talk I thought that was just, it was very well done. It's also, one of those, I think it's one of those scenes where there's humour that, depending on whether you're an adult or a child, uh, you, you will get a different kind of, like, humour from the scene. Uh, and it was, yeah. it was clever in the way that it managed to, it could offer a, you know, a different take depending on whether you're a kid or an adult. Most adorable moment of the movie goes to the Bulbasaur. No, no, the most adorable moment is when, uh, well, I suppose adorable slash funniest is when Ryan Reynolds is singing the Pokemon theme song. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention that. That's like a real nice meta kind of moment. But the Bulbasaur art, like animation, I, I've, I mean, Bulbasaur, this is kind of Jack Lazar content because Bulbasaur's always been my favourite. The very, very first copy of Pokemon Blue that I got and played when I was younger, I, I started with Bulbasaur, so. It's always been my guy right there um and yeah the little bulbasaur that, that come along and you see uh you know lead pikachu and 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 justice smith towards uh to, towards mewtwo to heal him I, I, that's just I, the whole time it was the uh, heart eyes emoji mark incarnate i thought yeah i mean yeah, they, it, the bulbasaur's design was very cute yeah you know it was all in the I, eyes uh, definitely all in the eyes i i did very much enjoy the the Pokemon theme tune. 
I also like that they tied in, and this is something that Dave and me were speaking about uh, earlier. In the news report talking about Mewtwo, initially on GNN, they mentioned that Mewtwo escaped from Kanto 20 years ago. So I was like, wow. So it's kind of tied in to the, the lore of the first Pokemon movie, which is interesting. Yeah, and actually, I, I think that that was one of the big things um, when I came out of the cinema. One of the things that I enjoyed about the film is that they, obviously, you know, being more based on Detective Pikachu, which, again, I haven't played, but the fact that they decided to make a live-action uh, Pokemon film but they didn't base it off of you know the standard story that you know of Pokemon in the the mainline games, or even off of the the anime series. You know they went with something completely different, um, and I think that was the best approach to do it. Um, yeah, because Rome City doesn't have a region; it's kind of autonomous uh, yeah. in the Pokemon universe. There's no specific area that is ever described as being in. Yeah, and I like as well that they went with a direction that they were like, you know, they we've got these Pokemon here, but we're not going to be focusing on, on Pokemon battles or anything like that. We're just going to take a completely different direction with them. Uh, and and I I appreciated that. You know, it was a bold direction to take, and I think they, they paid off with it. I did, however, like the small little bit of battling we got between a sure, Blast Twins and a Gengar. There was no way they couldn't have at least had one scene, you know. Yeah, I thought that was very, very cool. Uh, and the, the animation of, of Mewtwo and the intense creepiness of, of Bill Nye when he's controlling Mewtwo at points in the movie, I thought was was quite harrowing. Like, I feel like kids watching that, that is going to creep them out just a little bit. And he really hammed it up. The whole, like, fool, Pikachu could never defeat Mewtwo in battle. I was like, oh, he is enjoying himself here. It did definitely seem like Mewtwo, uh, whether in his just normal Mewtwo mode or in Bill Nye Mewtwo mode, um, he definitely kind of seemed to exist as, like, the exposition for the plot that was going on. Like, there was a fair few times he was explaining stuff that was like, yeah, I know this is going on. Um, and definitely kind of he seemed like to be there to... Uh, you know, if you were a kid and didn't quite forget something, don't worry, Mewtwo's here to explain the story for you. Yeah, it's a smart-ass Pokemon. It can he do is. pretty much anything. I very much enjoyed the giant Torterra as well. Yeah, uh, alright. Now, that's... with that said, I have to say, the one bit of the film that, obviously, this is live-action Pokemon and, you know, the suspension of disbelief should be there anyway, but when Justice Smith jumps off the side of one to land on the other side and what seemed like a good kind of 30, 40-foot drop and just kind of clung onto the side of the cliff, I was like, no, that, that should have killed you. But he's magic. That's, no, that's he's not. He's, he's, he's human. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I kind of see what you mean, but I feel like it was sort of going down and there was one thing coming up, so it kind of balanced out almost, but it wasn't enough of a, of a thing of it to take me out of the movie necessarily, because you're, you're immediately then concerned about Pikachu being in peril, and I was completely satiated by the Bulbasaur's, so they've sort of wedged that in there and made it not all that convincing, but... It was an unnecessary jump. They could have just had the Torterras settling back down after moving all the rocks around. But I always found that the idea of like a giant turtle or tortoise sort of being a mount, actually being a mountain and coming to life thing, uh, legend, very interesting. 
because they did one a similar thing in, in Final Fantasy 15 like the hardest boss of the whole game was an adamant twist I think it would have been called that was actually a mountain and then you had to go and defeat it and all of its giant things so I don't know whether it's like a Japanese legend or like what the origin of the, the, the tortoise or turtle is giant mountain thing but uh, it's pretty cool and it was one of the, the most interesting on screen uh, depictions of it I've ever seen anyway were there any Pokemon missing, uh, or any Pokemon that you, you know, if they did a second film that you'd like to see? I mean, yeah, just all of the original 150 that weren't in the movie, I think you would probably want in there. Uh, and, you know, Rowlet. <laughs> just rolling sure. around, sure. being a fucking owl with a bow tie would be nice. But I... yeah, I, I, I don't know why. At some point, I was convinced when they were out in the wilderness that like a far-fetched was going to just fly by and just slap one of them with, with a leak and just <laughs> fly off again just for comedy value i do i don't know how they would do it but i do want a uh a, whether it be a spin-off sequel where we have like a buddy buddy adventure with psyduck and pikachu um i very much enjoyed the 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 pair of them yeah. and just Psyduck actually was was a genius inclusion and Psyduck was yeah it's underrated because we haven't spoke about it yet but I feel like they captured the essence of, of the Psyduck from the anime show like Misty Psyduck just being a complete dumbass like attention seeking but also at the same time pretty powerful when it gets the old psychic headache going on yeah and, uh, uh... I would have liked to have seen a slow poke mark ah yeah just just like just blocking the blocking the way i thought it was cool that we got a snorlax asleep on a crossing point in the road at one point in the movie that was like a nice little nod to the video games yeah that was definitely like you needed to have seen the film uh played the games to have understood that reference yeah there was a lot of little like nice references and stuff but yeah i I just at one point a slow poke and there instead of um a Mr. Mind that they're having to go to get information out of just to go to a slowpoke to try and ask it what it's seen. Because like, well, there was like a crash site for for where Harry swerved off the road and eventually was eventually was fused into Pikachu's body by Mewtwo that was like by some by a river. And I think it would have been pretty funny if they went to that river and the only thing that was sat there was a slowpoke that's been there for days. And then they try to get the information out of it, and it's just staring like slowpoke, <laughs> just blank face. There's so much you can do, though. That's a great thing. My, now we've got the universe. My my big question um, yep. is: Is this film carried by Ryan Reynolds? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah that's that's the big thing because. Uh, as as wonderful as this film is, and as much as I enjoyed it, and I came out smiling, uh, I definitely did come away thinking that Justice Smith was okay. Uh, I, I I don't really have any kind of anything positive or negative to to say on his. Yeah, agreed. He he was a bit wooden at places, but I think by the end of the movie, he'd found his feet in the character. But then that's probably intentional, just from the the narrative of the movie, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but just Ryan Reynolds from beginning to end, it's him in full Ryan Reynolds mode. There's the sarcasm, there's the wit, um, the the kind of like he would take a very serious like the bit with the big kind of plot twist and he's holding the magnifying glass and he's like, "Ooh, it's a very twisty twist." It's it's <laughs> like it completely like tone deaf to what the scene is, yet it it works and. 
I don't think any other person could have done the way he did that performance. Um, not off the top of my head, anyway. And it just, yeah, it, it very much that film is is carried by him. Uh, and I think you would be lying to yourself if you said otherwise. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But I still think there's enough there for them to do a sequel at some point or to to continue the story. Now, how would, and this is the thing as well, actually, is like, how would they do uh, a sequel considering, you know, Pikachu is now back to just being regular Pikachu? Um, How would they incorporate... um, any of the Pokemon talking again, you know, what, how, how do you get back around to that? Oh, you just probably take the, the headset that, uh, Bill Nye created to control Mewtwo. And you just take the, the, the rage inducing R virus thing that they give to the Pokemon. And then you just combine the two and then boom, Ryan Reynolds, then, his consciousness transfers into Pikachu, and uh, he can go along go along on the adventures with Justice Smith. It was simple as that, huh? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even, to be honest, it's not like I'm prepared to answer that question. <laughs> that was just off the top of my head. So that's that's one way of doing it. Or they could just completely be like, <laughs> go into the next movie, and they're just like, well, uh, Ryan Reynolds wasn't having a great time, so he decided, like, being out in the open, so he decided he wanted to. Uh, just wanted to stay in Pikachu for a while and like just be a complete slap in the face and just be like, yeah, I couldn't be bothered. Kind of like they do in Deadpool 2 where they're like, yeah, it's a sequel, what are you going to do? Do you have any uh, any final thoughts? Any uh, any kind of additional comments? To, uh, anything that we haven't brought up yet? Yeah, you said um, the movie was sold on the strength of Ryan Reynolds and I happen to agree with that, but the other key point of the thing that the movie was sold on, Mark, is just decades of nostalgia so people that are our age you know in their early 30s probably played pokemon like right back to its initial game boy origins they probably watched the anime they probably had some of the trading cards and i feel like kids have kind of grown up with pokemon as well but especially the just explosion of popularity of that first couple of waves of pokemon the the people that are our age are going to be the ones that are most going to have a big grin on their face i think coming out of this movie so carried by ryan reynolds and just all of the nostalgia and also i i think whoever um came up and got nailed down that final design of uh, pikachu uh deserves all the money in the world because uh my god he is so adorable he's yeah just it, like sad Pikachu there was a great tweet I saw the other day about you know Pokemon not being real and whatever else and then like there's four pictures of different types of sad Pikachu and there's like I will fight to the death to defend this Pikachu and uh, <laughs> yeah he, sad Pikachu is, is cute Pikachu um, Pikachu in general like whoever came up with the initial design for a Pikachu probably hasn't got enough of all the money that they deserve for it <laughs> because you know that there's obviously teams of people working there at Game Freak or the Pokemon Company or whatever they would have been called at the time. It just the guy that came up with that or the girl that came up with that has I mean, they've created I would say in the last twenty years there hasn't been a more iconic brand new cartoon character uh than Pikachu. 
I can't well, think of one. No, but also there's a good reason why it's also the uh, the franchise that's made the most money in the last 25 years. Yeah. That's a very good point. So yeah, it, it's, it, there, there's some correlation there, you know? Yeah, it's uber Japanese. They have a mascot for everything, and yeah. Pikachu is the unofficial but pretty official mascot of Pokemon. So I think the, uh, the, the elevator pitch that we can put together here is that... Uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu is a very, very enjoyable film that successfully extrapolates all of the fun and charm and the joy of what Pokemon is and and puts it into a, a you know a very well constructed and delivered uh, film that isn't by any means you know perfect. Um, is kind of carried by Ryan Reynolds and and the casting of him was a genius choice. But you know, it's impossible. Oh, and Rita Ora is in the movie, and Rita Ora's in the fucking film for some reason as well. Yeah, I know, right? Shrug. Yeah. What What was she doing in there? Ah, uh, maybe she maybe she fucking loves gold and silver. Who knows? I don't know, Mark. R.I.P. Though. Um. But yeah, De- Detective Pikachu is is a good time, and if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it, and then go back in and watch John Wick three. Yeah. Those are the two movies. Yeah. And with that, we are done. Um, I'm going to get John. John? I'm going to get Dave, not John Wick. Maybe I can get Keanu Reeves on. Who knows? I'm sure he likes video games. He likes motorbikes. Maybe he likes Road Rash 3. Who knows? Um, I'm going to get Dave on next week to uh, to to uh, have a game for the book club, book club feature. So we'll do that then. Yep. Um, LTTC... You know where we are. The network plugs, the grab up, our once in a while wrestling podcast. Um, I don't know when we'll next do one. Maybe we'll talk about Brock Lesnar winning money in the bank. Probably not. Brock um, Lesnar is back. Baby. In fact, actually, we probably won't be talking much about WWE for the next couple of weeks until we're past the the next Saudi Arabia show. Um, the popcorn social that's that's a podcast that exists somewhere. <laughs> well, this is basically a popcorn social. This episode, pretty much, isn't it? pretty much. Um, Days of Thunder, go and listen to that. That's uh, Dave's bizarre adventure into watching every single episode of WCW Thunder. He's still going strong. I don't know how he's doing it. God bless him. I don't know. Who cracks first? You on the expert super master mode of Cuphead or Dave on Thunder? Oh, definitely mine because Cuphead has redeeming qualities. I see. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but until next time, uh, I've been Mark Robinson. You can follow me online at Lithium Project. Uh, he has been Jack Lazell. You can follow him online at Jack Lazell. Uh, what, Jack, what? any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nine days away from um, seeing Marcus Alonso's glorious haircut in Azerbaijan. Are Big you, are you actually going to Azerbaijan? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. Yeah, I am via Tehran. Because it borders. No, I'm just, I'm not really. You goddamn psychopath. All right, till next time.